Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're listening from, whatever time zone, whatever country. This is The Sheridan Show. I'm Chris Sheridan from BasketballNews.com. I'm very pleased to be joined today by the Oklahoma City Thunders beat writer for the Oklahoman, Joe Masato. Uh, Joe's about to enter his second year on the beat. He's taken over for some, uh, there's been a really, just a, a host of great writers at the Oklahoman. Um, who a lot of them have been, been scooped up by bigger organizations and moved on. Um, Joe is uh, currently covering the only team in the NBA that does not have a head coach, and we all wait on the NBA draft, and we all wait on Sam Presti sort of here, Joe, and uh, I'll start off by saying that and uh, and by asking you, uh, as we sit here and tape on uh, November 2nd, um, how long, first of all, how long do you think it'll take Sam Presti to make up his mind on who's going to be replacing Billy Donovan? Well, well, I'm kind of wondering which is going to come first, the NBA draft or the Thunder hiring, hiring a head coach. I mean, this process has taken almost two months now. We're, we're almost reaching that point since Billy Donovan and the Thunder agreed to part ways. I kind of have a feeling it is going to be uh, this week. I, I do think we'll get some news. Like you said, the Thunder is the only team without a coach right now. I don't think, you know, they weren't going after any of the high-profile candidates, so I don't think they were worried about competing against other teams for the coach of their choosing. But at this point, with the draft coming up, with the season, you know, potentially starting in late December, we'll see about that. Um, but it's about time to, to get a new, new coach hired. Uh, but, you know, Sam Presti, he moves very quietly and is hard to predict. So uh, we'll see when that comes. Yeah, he's he's kind of well known for that um but he's been he's one of the few people that's been with the thunder organization since they were the seattle supersonics and um yeah his team sir he came in second in an executive of the year voting his team certainly was the biggest overachiever in the entire western conference uh chris paul showed that he's still got life in his legs and and let's start with chris uh joe Chris Paul going to be with the Thunder next season, or do you think they can find a taker for that contract? Chris makes $41.3 million next year and $44 million on a player option in the, in his final season uh, or the, the final season of his contract, which will be 2021-22. Um, but that's an awful lot of money to be paying a guy um, uh, for a, a team that's going into a huge rebuilding plan with all the draft picks that uh, – that Presti was able to stockpile uh, last summer in the Westbrook trade and in the Paul George trade. Yeah, you know, I go back and forth on this, but I'm I'm leaning toward the direction that Chris Paul won't be on the roster next year. I, I think even at age 35, with that money he's still owed, as you just laid out, and he's 100% going to pick up that player option um, when it comes out after next season as a in his age 36 season. Um, so he's got two years left, a lot of money left on that contract, but he was second team all NBA. More importantly than that, he stayed healthy. Um, he only missed one game the entire season because of injury, but the Thunder has remained steadfast that they're not going to attach a pick or a young asset just to get off that contract. And that was the thinking when they made the Westbrook deal that to get off Chris Paul's contract, they're going to have to attach something to it. Uh, now it's in reverse. They, they already got, you know, several draft picks from the Rockets in that trade. And now they think they're going to get um, an asset rather than attaching one for Chris Paul. So there's teams out there that 
Um, of course, make natural landing spots. The Knicks is one of them, given his relationship with Leon Rose. The Sixers, if they want a more traditional point guard. Always the Lakers rumors out there about teaming up with LeBron James and maybe being a Laker at, once and for all. Um, but, you know, it's just going to be a thing where the Thunder are comfortable keeping him on the roster. Their cap sheet's going to be clean next year. They're going to be under the luxury tax. So if a deal doesn't come along, I do think there's a chance he starts the season with the Thunder and is maybe traded at the deadline or even next offseason heading into the final year of his contract when, you know, if he stays healthy, he shouldn't be all that difficult to trade um, on an expiring deal. Yeah, there's a school of thought, especially here in New York. Uh, I had Mark Berman from the New York Post on my show a couple of weeks back that Chris Paul could be the key for the New York Knicks to get Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, the thinking being that uh, Giannis and Chris grew very close at, during the time in the NBA bubble, and, uh, and Giannis wants to play with Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul being traded to the Bucks is a salary cap impossibility, and the, and the Knicks know that, but uh, the Knicks have a lot of salary cap space, and they have some expiring contracts with, uh, with low guarantees that they could flip, and uh, they could give Sam Presti, you know, a Taj Gibson or, or uh, you know, a, a Reggie Bullock or, or Wayne Ellington, a guy with, with a $1 million guarantee, and the salaries do not have to match because of the, the Knicks cap space. Then they got Chris Paul on their team, and, and that makes it all the easier for them to recruit Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, of course, this all is predicated on Giannis not signing the Supermax with the Milwaukee Bucks. What do you make of that theory? I think it's, I think it's fascinating. A couple things on that. First, you know, I know Chris and Leon Rose are, are very close, and certainly playing and living in New York would be more attractive than uh, playing another season in Oklahoma City. Like, it, it makes sense from that standpoint. Uh, Chris is also going to be, you know, he's 35. Um, you know, a couple years left on that contract. I, I just don't know if the Knicks are close enough to competing that if that's a situation he would want to be, even if even if it means playing in New York for the Knicks. Um, I think Sam Presti, quite like he treated, you know, uh, Paul George asked for a trade, but he treated the Westbrook trade of not just sending Westbrook anywhere. He, he sort of worked with Westbrook of finding the right fit. I don't think Chris Paul is going to just get traded anywhere. So if Chris is open to getting traded to the Knicks, I think that's perfect for Sam Presti because, like you said, it's so hard to find trades for Chris Paul given his salary. Well, the Knicks have all this space. They can just absorb it pretty much um, without having to even give anything back. So, um, yeah, the Thunder could take a couple of those expiring deals. I think the Thunder would at least ask for a, a young player. I, I mean, Kevin Knox is super intriguing. I, I don't know if the Knicks would consider that um, in a potential Chris Paul deal. but you know, the Knicks would just be the easiest way to get off of his contract without giving anything up. And it kind of works for both sides if that's a place that Chris wants to play. It sounds like you're swapping notes with Mark Berman. He, uh, he mentioned also uh, Kevin Knox as a guy that's uh, very intriguing to the, to the Thunder. He's Joe Masato on, on Twitter. He's at Joe Long, Long Dash Musato, M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O. Thunder beat writer for the Oklahoma and um, guy kid who grew up in Oklahoma. I call you a kid, Joe, because I'm older than you. <laughs> uh, grew up in, uh, in in OKC. Attended the University of Oklahoma and uh, covered OU football and basketball before uh, coming on to the Thunder beat. Uh, you can follow me at Sheridan Hoops. Uh, I'm part of the team at the 
best new website on the uh, basketball website on the internet, basketballnews.com. Uh, and, and Joe, let's move over to uh, to the coach. Back to the coach again. You know, your newspaper just published a long series of profiles of, of candidates uh, that Sam Presti uh, may or may not be looking at. Most of them, of course, he is. Uh, but one of them was Mo Cheeks, who's joined Billy Donovan's staff in Chicago. Uh, and another one is Becky Hammond, who's uh, been Greg Popovich's number one for a couple of years, and if hired in Oklahoma City, would become the first female head coach in NBA history. What do you think of her chances, Joe? I, I think anyone with the Spurs in that Spurs organization has a, a good chance, just just given Sam Presti's uh, history with that organization. He was the assistant general manager before taking the Sonics job and then moving to Oklahoma City. So. You look at the Spurs, Becky Hammond, certainly a candidate I think they'll consider, um, given her credentials working under Greg Popovich and the amount of assistance uh, that have come out of that coaching tree in San Antonio. I think Will Hardy, another young Spurs assistant, is a name that you've got to look out for. He's been mentioned for several head coaching jobs as well. So when I look at the Spurs, I think uh, Becky Hammond and Will Hardy um, is, is two possibilities and really, you know, when I was compiling lists of, of candidates, most of them had some sort of Spurs connection. Um, you know, even even Brett Brown, uh, Ime Udoka, who just joined the staff in Brooklyn, I thought was a strong candidate. Um, in, in Oklahoma City, it looks like that's not going to happen. But, you know, the Thunder have basically uh, built themselves wanting to be in the Spurs mold. And they, they've certainly done that in a lot of ways. So it only makes sense that they might hire a coach with Spurs connections. And, and Becky Hammond, um, I think, is at the top of the list. That's, that's a strong statement, top of the list. But I, I, I agree with you on all your points. And, uh, and the Spurs tree and the Thunder tree very, uh, grow very close to each other. But there's also a couple of guys who are on the, the Thunder staff. Um, give us a little bit on, uh, on Brian Keefe and Mark Daniel as, uh, as uh, viable candidates. Yeah, so Brian Keith, you know, if they're going to promote from within, um, in which I think is a pretty, you know, a strong possibility, wouldn't it at all be surprised? I think Brian Keith makes the most sense. He's been an assistant with the Knicks. He's been with the Lakers. Um, he was a former Thunder assistant under Scott Brooks and, and then came back um, on Billy Donovan's staff. So he's, he's spent quite a bit of time in Oklahoma City. Um, he was known for really – being instrumental in Kevin Durant's development, known as a player development coach, who's sort of come up the ranks. And he's, you know, when you're looking at Thunder coaching candidates, you're really not looking at some of the biggest names on the market. You're not necessarily looking at former head coaches. I think a lot of times you're looking at lead assistants, um, you know, front of the bench assistants who have never been a head coach. And Keith is certainly someone that fits that mold. I think Mark Dagnall, um, you know, he has been a former G League head coach in Oklahoma City and then was promoted to the staff. So he's got that head coaching experience. And I think you're seeing more and more, you know, Nick Nurse being kind of the, the ideal example, but you're seeing more coaches come from the G League route. Um, and given his head coaching experience, I, I think if they do go from within, those would be the two guys. And there's a, another guy with, with G League head coaching experience, uh, Will Wilcox. He was G League Coach of the Year for the Long Island Nets, and then he took a job in Perth, Australia, where he was coaching uh, in the NBL until their season was halted because of coronavirus. Is he a viable candidate, uh, Joe? 
Yeah, yeah, it's Will Weaver. He's excuse he's, me, Will yeah, Will Will Cox is a, it plays a, it plays golf, and I, I'm a golf fan too. I, I I apologize to Will Weaver. I've done that fifteen times. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, Will Weaver. He he was sort of a name that I thought came out of nowhere. Um, Brian Winhorse from ESPN initially uh, reported that he could be a candidate. He's been a special assistant in Philadelphia and in Brooklyn under Brett Brown and Kenny Atkinson. Um, like you said, he's coaching the Sydney Kings in Australia right, Australia right now. He went to the University of Texas and was not – he didn't play basketball at Texas, but he basically uh, was a high school coach in Austin and showed up to practice and asked Rick Barnes if he could have a spot on the staff, and he ended up being a graduate assistant at Texas before going on to um, Sam Houston State, just north of Houston, and kind of a long story, but that's where he met Sam Hinkie and sort of got involved um, with the Rockets. And then, you know, Hinkie gives him a job in Philadelphia. So Will Weaver, probably the, the least known candidate I, I really looked at, but, but someone that has been connected with this job. Yeah, that story you tell is sort of like the Lawrence Frank story. Uh, Lawrence Frank was a, a freshman at Indiana University and uh, walked into Bobby Knight's office and asked if he could be a team manager. And Bobby Knight said, sure. And uh, Lawrence Frank worked his way up the ranks and eventually became head coach of the New Jersey Nets when they were there. And now he's running the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, not a bad team to be running at this point in your career, but you know, you never know if you don't ask. And yeah. um, so anybody who's listening, who's got a college freshman uh, or a high school senior who's going to be a college freshman, tell them to knock on doors when he gets <laughs> to campus, if the campus is ever open. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point. It doesn't hurt to ask. You know, yeah, you never know if you don't ask. Um, so, um, but let's let's turn back to to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, I, I want to turn back the clock a little bit, um, Joe, because uh, before you were on the beat, but you know, I spent a lot of time down there when when the team was competing for championships, and they should probably have had about seven of them now by now <laughs> if they had kept together the nucleus of Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Serge Ibaka. And it started to come apart when uh, when James Harden uh, went into his free agency year, and the uh, and the Thunder told him that well we'll pay you like a sixth man because you've been a sixth man, and James said well wait a minute, I'm a sixth man because you asked me to be a sixth man, but I'm good enough to be a starter, and I want to have starters money. And Oklahoma City kind of held firm, and so James left as a free agent. Um, the, are people down there still kind of upset or bitter that? Um, that they had the makings of a dynasty and it all kind of came apart piece by piece? Yeah, you know, I don't know if they're bitter, but they're definitely, they're, there's a lot of what-ifs that still get tossed around. And, and any time, you know, they played the Rockets in the first round of the playoffs, and it was sort of a perfect time to reflect on, on two trades that shaped the organization with the Harden trade and then the Westbrook trade. And, and then you look at two of the three pieces uh, that were supposed to be part of the, you know, Thunder nucleus that, like you said, was expected to win a championship or, or multiple championships are now playing for the Rockets. So there was a lot of, lot of reflecting around that time. Um, but it, it's interesting, like the, the fan base doesn't necessarily hold the organization accountable. Sam Presti is still beloved by fans. It, it's more so that they've taken their anger out on James Harden for, uh, for not accepting less than the max, which – you know, it makes sense that James Harden would demand the max contract at, at that point in his career um, when he was a budding star, 
Now, I, I don't think the Thunder or the Rockets knew just how good James Harden was going to become and that he would become an MVP and a perennial MVP candidate. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. There, there's a lot of looking back. There's a lot of what ifs. Um, you know, James Harden, he gets booed when he returns to Oklahoma City. Kevin Durant, much the same. I think Russell Westbrook out of the three will always be uh, the most beloved because he was the star who, who stuck around um, until it just didn't make sense anymore to, to keep him on the roster. But, yeah, it's, it, it's still incredible when you see pictures of, you know, a young Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Serge Ibaka. And it's like, wow, this is crazy to think that they were all in Oklahoma City and people just assumed that they would win um, a number of championships. Well, it's it's kind of a shame that they didn't keep that that team together. But you know, the M- NBA landscape is littered with the uh, could have and would haves and should haves. Um, but let's go back to the current roster, and we've already talked about Chris Paul. But the second highest paid player on the team uh, is a rock of a man, a great guy, Stephen Adams. Um, and as the Thunder Joe go into a rebuild. Uh, is Steven Adams a, a piece that you keep and rebuild around, or is is he a guy that you, you go out and uh, and try to move him uh, and and get back even more of what you already have, which is young players and draft picks? Yeah, I think they're in the mode of stockpiling as many picks as they can at this point, and I think Steven Adams is a prime candidate uh, to be traded. He's entering. You look at two guys on the roster. I think are in a very similar position. Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder both veterans entering the last year of their contract who are really good players. I mean, Dennis Schroeder finished second sixth man of the year voting. Steven Adams can help, you know, almost every team. I know he's a traditional center who doesn't really step out and, you know, play the game in the most advanced way, but he still, he still can help a lot of teams. So I think Sam Presti will certainly be listening to calls for both Schroeder and Steven Adams this season. Now there's an, there's an alternative route that Thunder could go knowing that Chris Paul is on, you know, he has two years left on his deal. Might be hard to trade him this offseason. They could enter next season with Chris Paul, Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, um, Shea Gilgis Alexander all on the roster and potentially be competitive in the West, maybe try uh, to get the eighth seed. Um, but I don't know if that's the most likely route. I, I think, you know, Chris Paul – leaning that he will get traded and if then if that happens you know the the teardown is going to be uh is going to begin and i think trading a guy like dennis schroeder or steven adams makes sense and then looking forward you build around shea gilgis alexander and all of those draft picks 13 first round picks that are coming in the next seven years yeah but only one of them coming in the in in the upcoming draft as of now they could always trade up but uh, Oklahoma's picking at, at, at number 25 gives me a reason to plug uh, Matt Babcock, who works here at Basketball News, just published his mock draft today. Uh, we're going pretty heavy, Alex Kennedy and the staff, on, on draft stuff and uh, draft prep stuff. But uh, check out Matt Babcock's uh, mock draft. It just went up uh, today, Tuesday, November 2nd. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of mock drafts out, out there, but there's not a lot by uh, guys as wise and uh, and intelligent as Matt has been around the NBA along with several members of his family for years and years. And, uh, but, but back to Joe Masada and back to Oklahoma city and the thunder. Um, and I alluded to this when we were talking off the air, um, but let's, let's talk a little bit about 
up the Skibern Hotel because uh, last time I was in Oklahoma City, they played uh, they played in the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat, and um, a lot of t- visiting NBA teams come into Oklahoma City and they play at a place and they stay rather at a place called the Skibern Hotel, which is one of America's most famous haunted hotels, and. Uh, and I'll let you kind of take it from there, Joe, and then I'll interject what I know. But um, what do you know about the legend of the haunted Skivern Hotel in in downtown Oklahoma City? Yeah, so it's actually not too far from from our office, walking distance when we go out to to get lunch. There, there are, I, I think a lot of the reason it's become so known at this point is because, you know, obviously Oklahoma City is one of the smaller NBA markets, not a ton of nice hotels to stay at near the arena. So a lot of teams... Um, especially early on state of the scurve. And since then there's been uh 21C, which is a, you know, nice hotel chain. A lot of teams stay there now, but some teams still stay at the scurve. but, you know, there's, there's some legendary stories of visiting opponents saying, you know, they did not play well in Oklahoma city because they just could not get a good night's sleep in the scurve because it's haunted. And, and I know, you know, kind of the, the background of, of the ghost story and, um, sort of what goes on at that hotel but yeah it's uh it's a uh it's it's really funny how it became sort of notorious in NBA circles yeah the the story that I heard and I remember this from when Miami played there but I also know a Nick story surrounding it is apparently the man who who built the hotel had um had a mistress and the mistress had a baby and he kept the mistress and the baby uh sort of sheltered on the top floor of the hotel and uh and and one day the woman uh this was a long, long time ago, but the woman dumped, jumped to her death with the baby. And the ghost is apparently the, uh, the former mistress of the, of the founder of the hotel. And, uh, and she apparently likes attractive men. And so she <laughs> has, uh, there's a lot of NBA players that said something wacky was went on, went on there. And a couple of them said, I saw her, I saw her. And one of them was Eddie Curry, who of course was drafted high by the Chicago Bulls and later played for the New York Knicks. So. Uh, interesting place, Oklahoma City. Real good food, real cheap gasoline, and real friendly people. Um, and and you know the fans, boy, do they really get behind that team. And you know it it it's true in any major market in the NBA where you're the only game in town, whether it's the Memphis Grizzlies or the Utah Jazz or the Portland Trail Blazers or the OKC Thunder. When you're the only game in town, the whole city rallies around you, but also kind of the whole state does. And that really never go has never gone away uh, in OKC, Joe. Isn't that the case? Even uh, through the the tough years after uh, after James left. Well, oh, for sure. I mean, it's I, I think they've got one of the best fan bases in the league, and a lot of it, you know, like like you said, they're they're the only game in town. They're the only professional sports team in the state, and and you know, before the Thunder arrived in two thousand eight, people are crazy about. OU and OSU football and basketball. Um, but it was sort of like both of those college fan bases could come together and, and make the Thunder almost like this college atmosphere type place. And it really coincided with a good young team. Now, fans in Oklahoma City have definitely been spoiled. The Thunder were very bad in their first year, made the playoffs the second year, made the NBA Finals in 2012, and really have been good ever since, um, e- even after Durant and Harden left with you know, the Paul George Westbrook teams, and, and now even Chris Paul uh, coming last year. Um, what I think is going to be fascinating is to see how the fan base responds to a rebuild, because that's really not 
something in their relatively young history of a franchise in Oklahoma City. Fans haven't been through that. They don't always know how that works or like, why would you trade a guy like Chris Paul? He, he just played so well. So I, I think it's going to be sort of interesting to see what the next, I don't know, I would say three to four years look like waiting for some of these draft picks uh, to come through, waiting for Shea Gilders, Alexander, and Darius Baisley to develop. Um, but, I, but I think they're probably going to take a, a, a nuanced view at it, but it is interesting to, to know that really in their entire existence in Oklahoma City, there's been only good basketball played here. Yeah, it's really something. You can't really say that about any other NBA franchise um, that's had quite that, that long of a run of success other than maybe outside of uh, San Antonio. They just yeah. – they you know they never really have a bad year. Um, and last season, it wasn't it wasn't the worst year. I mean they were kind of they were in the bubble because they were in the thick of it, but they didn't have their whole team there. And they you know they they just they're just never bad. Uh, he's Joe Masato from the Oklahoman. I'm Chris Sheridan from BasketballNews.com. I want to thank you for joining us on this edition of the Sheridan Show, Joe. I know you're busy, man. You got to figure out who that next coach is. And then uh, you're going to have to do a lot of watching of college basketball and scouting for the, the, the next several drafts ahead. Because like you said, Sam Presti uh, is like the new Sam Hinkie when it comes to stockpiling draft picks. Except Sam Presti gets first-round picks. Sam Hinkie <laughs> always used to get second-round picks. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to figure out who the coach is going to be. And uh, ho- hopefully it will become before the draft. One, one, one thing at a time here. Again, he's Joe Masato, and on Twitter, he's at Joe Long Dash Musato, M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O. Uh, he writes for the Oklahoma Sports and does a fantastic job covering the Thunder. Joe, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Chris. That was a lot of fun. Okay. We'll see you guys down the road, and that's an over and out.